I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 310. And today in the show, we're back for another episode of our Rut Fresh Radio mini-series in which we're getting the very latest and greatest intel on what deer are doing right now and how you can hunt them. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Onyx. It is me and Spencer here again for our weekly Rut Fresh Radio episode in which we are hearing from hunters all across the country on the latest deer activity. What deer are doing right now, how current conditions are impacting deer, and what different people across the country are doing to get some deer killed. Uh, That's the game plan at least. Spencer, you've chatted with some folks. Do we uh, do we have some interesting stories? Do we have some good intel for folks to work with this week? Yeah, um, everybody is optimistic as they typically are this time of year because we are like one week away here from things kind of really cutting loose. And for those guys who kind of have a target buck in mind or uh, have a few deer in their area that they're interested in, they're about to become day walkers in like seven days from now. And so when that happens, it's a great time to kill a target deer before they just get off chasing does in early November. So most hunters are excited. Yes. I'm right there with them. I'm, I've always looked at that last week of October being like you just said, an especially good chance to get that homebody buck. If you've got a buck that's been hanging out, but maybe just not quite in daylight, this might be the time you can capitalize on him still sticking to a little bit of a pattern, but moving a little bit sooner. So, yeah, I'm hoping to do that exact thing. Tran uh, has not been daylight for me yet, but uh, hoping he will be here soon. And this is a time of year where those cold fronts can really kind of kick off some of that stuff early. And so, like this coming weekend, parts of the country have cold fronts rolling in, uh, and that gets guys really excited. When you would normally like think around that Halloween time is uh, when it's going to happen regardless, but if you get a cold front like between now and then, 
that typically gets guys a lot more excited to find some of these bucks up moving a little bit earlier than they were, you know, as we're recording this on the 22nd. Yeah, that takes it to the next level for sure. I, uh, it looks like at least as of right now in Michigan, the weather's looking pretty darn good, like good cold weather. I even saw some snow in the forecast right around Halloween. Um, so I'm itching. I am curious though. Folks know I'm out there chasing whitetails. I just got back from my boundary waters hunt, by the way. I'm alive. I survived that. Um, I'll save the juicy details for next week. But uh, you also have a whitetail update finally. Do you do you want to share? Do you have any, any reports to share from that? Yes, I was just in South Dakota hunting for about six days. And I was hunting an area that is massive... Uh, it's a massive refuge that has a lot of CRP. It's mostly managed for ducks, um, swans, geese, other migratory birds. And at that refuge, there's like 10,000 huntable acres, but there's probably less than 20 trees on the whole thing that you would like actually throw a tree stand up in. So if you find a little bit rise, some kind of small rise in the topography, you can glass for like literal miles of CRP. And so, Unlike you struggling to see deer, I was seeing all sorts of deer. And it was super eye-opening when you're seeing uh, like big numbers of deer. I think the one night I counted like 60 deer that I saw. And on a hunt like that, when you see volume of deer that high, it's really eye-opening kind of what we talk about that time of year, this time of year that you can get really aggressive and get close to their beds, or you can kind of play it safe and wait till like the very end of October. Because on some of those evenings when I would see like 60 deer, um, I would wager to say that like the, the first 45 or 50 would be does. And it wasn't until the sun went down or that last bit of daylight that those bucks would get up out of their beds and they didn't move too far from there. So we kind of talk about that and you see it every year and it's something that experienced hunters are aware of. But when you see that many deer, and the numbers uh, tilt that far the one way that the does are up and moving, um, but the bucks are just tight to their beds until that sunset time. Uh, it's really eye-opening about what strategies work right now and what don't. So you saw a lot of deer. The bucks were on their feet late. Did you see any mature bucks? Did you get a shot? Do you, do you get a buck story? I don't have a buck story. I didn't see much for mature deer. Um and I didn't kill one, so I just came home with sightings, and that's it. Well, still fun? Absolutely, yeah, and it was like a good way to kick things off because now I kind of hit a, a bit of marathon of hunting here, so that was a, a fun way to start the season. Sweet. So what else do we have from the folks? Any other consistent trends other than anticipation and excitement for cool weather? Uh, any big high-level keep this in mind over your next couple hunts that's worth touching on the, the high level thing that i think uh to consider is that normally this time of year we're talking about crop harvest um beans are certainly out at this point corn is is getting ready to come out but for most of the hunters that we talked to this week and in weeks prior they've all kind of stressed that it's going to be a late harvest because of how wet things have been this year so what that might mean for you if you're somebody who hunts around big egg is that um, bucks have a few more hiding places in, in cornfields. Um, 
or if you're in a place like Michigan, I know you're always excited for kind of a late harvest mark because it saves it saves some of those deer that might otherwise be an easy target for somebody. So just when you're planning your hunts, uh, you know, in late October, early November, know that the the crops are still probably going to be standing, whatever that might mean for you. Um, but for who else we talked to this year, excuse me, talked to this week, we go to Illinois and talk to Justin Zarr from Bowhunter Die, and then Trey Kearns in West Virginia from 304 Outdoors, and then Joe Call from Minnesota Rack Stars in Minnesota, and then we talked to Kyler Moppert in Louisiana from Louisiana Bowhunter. Anyone kill one? Um, no. Yes. Yes, I take that back. Joe Call just killed one a few days ago hunting in South Dakota. Now he's back in Minnesota, so he's kind of giving uh, an upper Great Plains, upper Great Lakes area report for us. Nice. Well, I'm excited to hear this one. I, uh, as I alluded earlier, I'm particularly excited about the next seven days, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of, I think this is a Babe Ruth thing. I'm gonna Babe Ruth it. I'm gonna say the next seven days will possibly be my best chance at killing Tran, based off of historical data, based off of weather, based off of some time I've got. Um, I think I've got a chance. So I'm going in. It's a little earlier than I than you might think. It's not November yet, but I think uh, right around Halloween, it could happen. So uh, next week, I'm golly, I'm going to try to have a good story for you, Spencer. I, I hope you do. And kind of explain that a little bit further, Mark. If if somebody is um, sort of new to deer hunting, it, it's almost weird to hear you say that the best chance is in these next seven days because deer movement actually probably won't peak for another uh, two weeks or so. Yeah, yeah, and I kind of, I kind of very briefly mention this at the top, but I'll, I'll elaborate. Basically, as you mentioned it, you're seeing deer steadily, deer movement steadily increase through the month of October and then into November. But what we've got going on over the next seven days or so is there are a lot of bucks that are getting very high levels of testosterone. Like these bucks are ready to rock and roll. They want to breed, but not many does have come into estrus yet. Maybe none of the does yet, or if maybe just one um, or a few. You know, every day we're going to have a better chance of more and more does coming into estrus. But basically, what that means is that you're going to get bucks that are starting to move a little bit more, a little bit earlier. If there's that mature buck that, you know, is hanging out locally on your property, I really like if there's a buck that's I, kind of, I call him a homebody, like a deer that its core home area is there on your farm. He's bedding there. Either you've seen him frequently, you've got pictures of him frequently, but if you kind of know his his main pattern, his main behaviors, I think he's betting here or here. I think he's feeding here or here. If you know that kind of information over the next seven days or so, he's probably going to stick to that same basic trend. He's not getting full rut mode where he's chasing does all over the place and going on excursions all over the place like he might do in November. So in November, that buck becomes much less predictable. Yes, he'll be moving a lot, but you don't know what the heck he's going to do. Now you're going to get this, you know, last week of October, you're going to get the benefits of increased movement, but also the same benefits of the predictable movement is that he's sticking to a similar trend, a similar pattern. So when those two things line up, you've got a disproportionately high chance of getting a shot. Not always, but if things line up, if conditions line up and you know, if you have that intel, it can be a great time to do it before he starts getting crazy. So I think I have that with Tran. Um, I'm looking at a trail camera picture of him two days ago, and he looks really good. So uh, he's around. He's moving. This picture was just a tiny bit before daylight in the morning. He's coming back to bed, it looks like, just before daylight. So 
you know, over the next seven to 10 days, hopefully that trend shifts just a little bit and he stays up and moving an hour later in the morning or gets up and going an hour earlier in the evening. And that's what I'm going to try to key in on. Yeah, we did a great job explaining that. And for more info like that, uh, you should, guys should check out the TheMeatEater.com. Uh, Mark has been covering some really good subjects that people are often wondering about this time of year, like deer hunting in the rain, uh, how to rattle in a buck, how to kill a nocturnal buck, stuff like that. So head over to TheMeatEater.com for more great info like that. And Mark, I hope you have that TRAN report for us next week. Fingers crossed, my friend. Fingers crossed. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time, Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that Seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. And it's really simple. When you pour it into your gas tank, Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can into your gas tank and let it do its job. Now, you probably know someone who's used a can of Seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. Because people everywhere rely on it to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. So, help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart, or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid, and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And, as often is the case, those guys were on to something. Because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from heart and soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised grass-fed and finished cattle heart and soils unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean convenient taste-free capsule find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. All right, and joining us on the line first is Justin Zarr from Bowhunter Die in Illinois. Now, Justin, in Illinois, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I am going to give it a 6. I feel like uh, the bucks are definitely on their feet during daylight. I don't think they're ranging super far yet. Uh, during daylight, but nighttime activity is really, really starting to pick up. Do you do much decoying on your properties in Illinois? Man, I tell you what, I don't. I've been thinking about it, but you know, with us, we mostly self-film our hunts and I'm dragging a lot of gear into the woods already. A decoy is just kind of one extra thing that I got to bring out there. So I've done it in the past, uh, not a lot, uh, but I certainly wouldn't hesitate to do it. And if I was going to do it now, seems like a pretty good time. When I think of the bow hunter die crew, I often associate them with killing big bucks at the end of October. What is it about your group that makes you guys so good at killing those target bucks this time of year? Um, I think it's just, you know, being in the woods and having a pretty good beat on where these bucks are at. You know, like I was saying, this time of year, I don't feel like the bucks are covering large uh, amounts of territory or ground during, during daylight, but they're definitely up and on their feet and moving around. 
So if you have a general idea of where a buck is at uh, and you know where the does are at in that general vicinity, you've got a pretty good opportunity. You know, this last, let's say, 10 days of October has always been one of my favorite times of the year to hunt. These bucks are a little bit more predictable going to be come November. Uh, so I just feel like if you have an idea where they're at and you get the right weather, you could definitely get on top of one. And as you kind of alluded to, you know, they're fairly susceptible to calling this time of year. Most of the does aren't in estrus yet. Uh, so they're, they're looking for a fight. Besides acorns, what other food sources should hunters in Illinois be keyed in on right now? Oh man, I'm seeing, uh, I'm seeing good activity around either corns or beans, to be honest with you. Um, I wouldn't say either one over the other. It seems like a lot of the, a lot of the harvest is going to be late this year, at least up in Northern Illinois, where we're at, most of the fields are, are still standing. Uh, but the ones that have been cut have been pretty hot. You know, those fresh cut corn or fresh cut beans, either one, if you've got one of those, those seem to be really hot right now. Uh, other than that, if you've got, you know, food plots on the ground, a lot of my brassica plots, oats, rye, stuff like that are really getting hammered right now as well. Um, and of course, acorns. Acorns are are still going to be gone. As someone who selectively pressures their property, when do you usually start mornings and when are you going to start hunting mornings this season? I'll, I'm hunting mornings now. I mean, we've had the good weather conditions, bucks have been on their feet. So uh, I've already started hunting mornings very sparingly, but from here moving forward, it's uh, full speed ahead, man. Mornings, afternoons, any opportunity I've got to be in a tree, I'm going to be out there. You talked about calling before. Are you doing a lot of blind calling this time of year? And do you have uh, an ideal setup, like a, a certain stand location that you'd rather call from than others or morning versus evening? You know, I'm not a huge blind calling fan. I'll call to a deer if I don't think he's direction and I can see him, but I'm not a guy that's just going to sit and rattle and grunt a lot. Uh, I will do it sparingly. I mean, if we get a good, hard, cold snap, uh, you know, in a clear morning without a lot of wind where I know it can be heard for a long ways and I want to cover some distance, I'll hit the antlers together, uh, but I do it sparingly. Most of my calling is to animals that I can actually have two eyes on and, and be able to, like I said, tailor my calling to what they're their body language is telling me. You're headed to Iowa this weekend on a public land whitetail hunt. What is going to be your strategy for that hunt? Uh, try to find some does and thick bedding cover. Um, that's going to be my main strategy. Um, uh, food, you know, on a lot of these public spots is is difficult to find because a lot of the ag is on the neighboring private. Uh, so I'm going to focus primarily on, on bedding areas. If I can get close to food, Great. Uh, if not, I'm really looking for doe bedding is what I'm looking at right now. Going forward then this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Illinois? I think we're going to start ramping up to a 7 or 8. Um, I'm already seeing pretty heavy chasing on my trail camera. Two minutes of, of daylight. Uh, it seems like some of the younger really pushing these does around pretty hard right now. Uh, I would imagine we start seeing some of the older ones doing the same thing over the next week. So a 7, maybe an 8. Uh, we got some cold weather coming in, possibly some snow flurries, some frost. So everything is shaping up to be a really, really good end to October here. Well, I look forward to following you guys' adventures on Bow Hunter Die. Thanks for joining me, Justin. No problem. Thanks, Spencer. All right, and joining us on the line next is Trey Kearns in West Virginia from 304 Outdoors. Now, Trey, in West Virginia, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, I'd have to say it's been a 4 lately. You know, I feel like uh, it's it's still been really warm. Um, you know, it's been early October the last couple of weeks, and, you know, you're really sitting on some dry spells, haven't had a whole lot of rain here in the eastern side of the United States. And, um, 
the deer activity has been minimal uh, throughout daylight hours. And then, you know, if you do catch uh, some on the trail cameras that we've been, you know, just seeing them relatively uh, nights we've had, honestly. What food sources are you focused on right now in West Virginia? Uh, focusing on, you know, uh, whatever acorns have fallen. And then, you know, the greens mainly right now, we're not literally focused on grain. Um, we still have some standing corn, but um, acorns that have fallen. Um, and then also some greens that we've been kind of focusing on as well. And um, if, you know, if we're you know, sitting on these hot evening days, we're usually focusing on water sources as well. Are you seeing a lot of sign making yet? And what do you do with that information when you do find some fresh rubs or scrapes this time of year? Yeah, I think, I think we're, you know, we're getting into the later half of October now. And with that, um, you know, we're just trying to focus on, you know, finding out where these bucks are and then also using previous, you know, information that we've used the last couple of years and kind of just know that when it gets around this time of year, it's going to get good and changing and, and the weather starts getting better. Uh, we'll probably see that tendency where those deer starts popping up in places where we usually see them this time of year. Do you use any calling tactics in West Virginia? We, we do a little bit towards, um, you know, closer to rut, not a whole lot right now. With firearm season being about a month away, how do your strategies change when you get to that time of year where firearms hunters are about to hit the woods? Yeah, I think uh, we try to use that to, I think we try to use that to our own abilities just because we do have a large uh, quantity of woods um, for firearm season. Uh, I think we try to um, locate ourselves to where we use that to our advantage and have those hunters push deer to us. Um, I don't think it's a, a negative by any means. I think it's, uh, you know, if you play it right and hunt with, uh, you know, good enough strategy, I think it's going to help you in the end. Are you hunting mornings yet? Yeah, we've hunted a couple mornings and it, it honestly just depends on what kind of sign we're getting on the trail cameras. Um, you know, we're, you know, it's all, it's all dictated on what the deer movement is uh, in that area and what deer it is. So, I mean, if, if the deer is, you know, showing itself in, in daylight hours in the morning, and uh, we can avoid its bedding area. We can slip in there, and then we'll, we'll hunt mornings. But um, up until about last week, we were all evenings, but we're starting to see some more movement this morning. So uh, we're just going to try to slide in there probably this weekend and get some more morning sets, maybe do a couple all-day sets. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in West Virginia? I think that buck activity is definitely going to be probably around a, a 7, um, I don't think it's quite there, but I do think that this week with the change in pattern and everything with the weather, I think it's really going to start clicking things and, uh, get you over that hump that, you know, we've kind of been waiting on. I try good luck this season and thanks for joining me. All right. Thank you. All right. And joining us on the line next is Joe call from Minnesota from Minnesota rack stars. Now, Joe in Minnesota, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to 10? You know, if you would have asked me last week, I would have said about a one to two. Uh, everything uh, we've seen on our trail cameras has been a lot of nocturnal movement. Uh, but in the last couple of days here, uh, we're starting to pick up some bucks that are showing up just that last light. So um, I would bump four or five for sure. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that they're, they're starting to be a little more territorial, uh, starting to spar around a little bit more, and then also checking their scrapes. You just mentioned scrapes there. Are you seeing a lot of sign making then right now? Yeah. Um, you know, I think the little guys are, are getting a little antsy. Uh, the younger bucks, you know, they're kind of running around with some does right now. Uh, but the, the older guys, you know, the more mature deer, 
they they know what's up and they know it's going to be a little bit yet before things really get rocking so that they're more focused on territory and uh you know they're they're starting to hit those scrapes and, and making sure that everybody knows that they're in the area and this is their territory i know two years ago i ended up catching a buck uh you know just that last line i, I watched them go to bed and i waited there all day for them and he got up just uh at last light and he come and he made a couple scrapes and I ended up taking them but uh kind of seen the same thing uh just uh you got to be patient. You know, those younger ones are going to be moving a little earlier. Um, but if you can get uh, near a buck bedding area where you can find some good signs, some good scrapes, some good rubs, uh, I think you're going to have a good chance of, of putting something decent on the ground. Are you using any really aggressive tactics this time of year, like calling or decoying there in Minnesota? You know, I was actually just talking to my cousin about that the other day. He went and picked up a decoy, and I have the perfect spot for a decoy. Um, it's, it's in a section, I just purchased, uh, 43 acres this past summer. Uh, and it's, it's in a section that's a three by one mile section. And I have a nice five acre field kind of right in the middle of it. And it's just a perfect spot for a decoy. And that's something I'm going to try this year. Um, you know, it's just uh, a matter of being at the right spot at the right time, I guess. But the biggest thing that we're being aggressive with is we're getting really close to those buck bedding areas. But we're waiting for the right wind, right temperatures to uh, to sneak in those spots. And, uh, you know, this past year we've actually been pretty successful seeing some good deer. Uh, but now is the time to really get after it. I know the deer uh, are a little more educated after this last weekend here in Minnesota. They had a youth firearm season. So the deer are a little more educated right now. It's going to be a little more difficult. Most of the Midwest is looking at a late harvest this year. Is that the case in Minnesota, and how does that change things for you? Yeah, uh, right now actually are way behind harvest last week here towards the tail end some farmers were starting to get in the field but uh between last night and today we picked up about two to three inches and that's really going to set things back um you know so those deer have a lot more cover you're going to have to try to you know figure out those those crop lines and tree lines where you can kind of maybe catch them skirting around the edge but uh you know that provides a lot more cover for these deer there's a lot more cover out there for them I guess the way I look at it is, you know, if the crops aren't going to be out anytime soon. I think it's multiple times in order for these crops to come out around here. Um, you know, but the only positive I see out of it is, uh, you know, more deer are probably going to make it through this season. And in return, we're going to have some, some bigger bucks next year. So it's kind of a, you know, a give and take, I guess. When firearm seasons start to open in mid-November for Minnesota, how do you guys plan for that? And how do you adjust your hunts for that? You know, we really hit it hard with archery just before firearm season. Uh, you know, it's 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 tough uh, sitting there, and, and you, know, you just got to go to your hot spots, even if the conditions aren't right. Uh, you try to got to get in there and be aggressive. Uh, you know, around here, uh, you know, I, I hunted South Dakota this past week, and the biggest difference I see between you know a lot of other states and Minnesota is that uh, you know just the size of the sections. You know, around here, a lot of people have forties you know, 40 acres. And on that 40 acres, there's, you know, multiple people hunting where you get to some of these other states, you know, people own sections and you only, you know, in some spots, you only have five, six people hunting those sections, which, you know, uh, more deer are able to get by. But around here, uh, you know, it's usually a pretty good deer harvest. So we really try to kick things down a little bit uh, just before uh, rifle season starts. But, uh, you know, it's, it's always a good time. Rifle, it's a great tradition here in Minnesota. You're able to get together with your family and friends. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Minnesota? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm looking at the radar right now, and 
this weekend it's supposed to warm up quite a bit and when i say it warm up quite a bit uh it's going it's going to be you know around 40 and it's going to bump up to upper 50s and then kind of the start of the next week it's going to drop back down into the 30s and, and 20s for lows so hopefully uh, some of the big guys we have on camera make their way out all right joe well, good luck to you and everyone else from minnesota rack stars thanks for joining me thanks all right and joining us on the line next is kyler moppert from louisiana bowhunter in louisiana now, Kyler, in Louisiana, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? On a scale of 1 to 10, I would put it at a 7 right now for early season. Um, it's been uh, it's been abnormally high buck activity for this early in the year for our state. Now, Louisiana kind of has three different phases of the rut going on at all times you've kind of got the, the florida deer the midwestern deer deer similar to alabama can you explain to me those three different populations and what phase of the rut they'd be in right now sure so we've got um, three distinct rut phases just like you said um for different areas of the state for uh coastal deer uh, marsh deer is what we would call them they're a little smaller in size smaller body size and um, they don't get uh to be as large racked either those are gonna rut early like southwest louisiana um, might even be a week or two past its main rut right now they start their rut in september season starts september 15th in those areas um and then we've got um you could say more native deer uh in louisiana that were closer to the river parishes um uh, parish being a county uh everywhere else in the u.s um those deer have been um, you could say adaptive to the flooding cycles for generations and they always rut a little later. Those would have a lot more in common with like a, a South Alabama rut where it can kick off anywhere between um, J- middle of January and roll on into the middle of March uh, on game camera. And then, um, then we have back in 19, in the mid 1960s, we had a large population of Midwestern deer came out of Minnesota and Wisconsin areas that were released in Louisiana that they are very much timed with the Midwestern rut. They're, they're going to go into rut kind of uh, uh, the beginning to middle of November and maybe fizzle out the very beginning of, of December. So three distinct areas, of course, when you get into uh, maybe the overlapping lines of, of um, one group into another regionally, that it can, it can blur a little bit. Um, but we've got, uh, that would be the main three that we've got in the state, yeah. The rest of the country is really focused on probably acorns right now and sign making. What are you seeing in Louisiana at this moment for sign making and acorns? Um, so for sign making, seeing a lot of really early rubs. Um, I saw my first scrape over the weekend hunting public land. Um, but but honestly, where I was hunting, the area, it doesn't go into rut until Christmas or after. So um, it might have just been more territorial, more than any sign of the rut. But that was in northeast Louisiana. Um, but I, um, the sign making and the, I guess the, the, the way I've been seeing the deer behave is it's been, we've been in a big drought for the past month and a half or so. So it's one of the few times that I've ever actually focused on hunting a water source. Cause one thing about Louisiana is we, we only have two water levels. We have just enough water or way too much water. <laughs> we, we very rarely have. A drought and so when it was dry for almost nearly a month and a half um creek crossings were a big um uh, a big 
a focus for me and a lot of public land and private land hunters. If you're trying to find where deer are going to go find water, acorns are starting to drop now. Um, I think our our um, hard mast uh, trees are scheduled a little later than y'all's up north. We are just now starting to see um, really consistent white oak, cow oak, and um, overcup acorns falling, which is that's always my target for October. And then, um, you know, we'll get the red oaks and the pin oaks dropping here heavily as well, but they'll, they'll always favor the white oaks before, um, before the red oaks and pin oaks where we hunt. So a lot of that. So besides acorns, what other food sources should bow hunters in Louisiana be focused on this time of year? And how will that change as we get into November? Uh, you know, with, with how much flooding the state has had, uh, in 2019, there's a lot of areas that have been underwater from legitimately from the middle of November all the way until about a month and a half ago. Um, a lot of those are going to be river parishes or areas fed by the Mississippi River because you got to remember we're we're at the very bottom, y'all are at the very top. So anything that y'all get rained on with comes down to us about six, about three to four weeks later. And so when that happens across the country, our waters rise. I know people that weren't able to hunt their deer lease at all. Um, and it just, it just reemerged, if you will, out from under the backwaters, um, a few weeks ago. And so a lot of that is going to have fresh browse, fresh growth, real green saplings. And those deer are going to move back into those flooded areas just as quickly as the water recedes. They'll be right there step for step with that water headed back out, going back to their, um, you can say their homelands. So browse is something that we shouldn't be overlooking. Um, I've been hunting a lot of uh, bedding areas and thickets. Um, you know, I jokingly say the all of Louisiana is a bedding area. We don't have uh, the luxury of saying this is where the deer sleep, this is where the deer eat. You know, um, it's not like that down here. Everywhere is where they sleep. Everywhere is where they eat. Um, but I have been um, noticing a lot uh, of um, briars and. Um, uh, smilax and, and um, thorn bushes and things like that being hit very hard where you'll see nothing but stems coming out of the ground and a few days before it was a big pushy uh, briar patch so browse is a, a good attraction as well if you don't have acorns dropping right now in your area um, and then you know we also are a state that, uh, that allows feeding um, supplemental feeding um, and uh, I know a lot of people that are getting good results from that as well Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Louisiana? So I think it's going to increase. I'll, I'll increase it a point. I'll put it at an 8. Um, that's a little high for this time of year. Um, buck activity and the number and size combined, the number and size of deer that have fallen, the quality deer that have fallen in the first month of bow season in Louisiana is probably the greatest that I've witnessed personally in the last four or five years. Um, maybe it, uh, maybe it is the fact that it's been so dry that deer have to get up and go find water. They don't have something within 20, 30 yards of where they're laying down. Um, but for how hot it's been, you know, we've been in the nineties all October opening day was 98 degrees. And there were some absolute giants that were killed the first week of bow season in weather that you would not climb up in a deer stand in. And so um, maybe it's uh, just uncharacteristically high weather has them up on their feet. Hot weather has them up on their feet. I mean, and um, I think this week coming up with this cold front coming down, I think it's only going to get better. 
All right, Kyler. Well, I'm at the headwaters in the Missouri River here in Montana. I'll try to stop sending water your way. Good luck this season, and thanks for joining me. Yeah, it'd be great. Thank you, Spencer. Y'all have a good day. And that concludes this week's episode of Rut Fresh Radio. Thanks to Justin, Trey, Joe, and Kyler for joining me, and thank you guys for listening. If you want more great whitetail content like this, make sure you're subscribed to the Whitetail Weekly newsletter that Mark and I put together for Meat Eater. And make sure you're regularly checking out TheMeatEater.com for more of what we're writing. Good luck to everybody this week who's out there like Mark trying to kill that target buck as they get more restless here at the end of the month. And until next week, stay wired to hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.